Hello everyone, welcome to From No to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Kevin Palmieri, the founder, CFO, and co-host of Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast. There's a famous saying that humans are creatures of habit. While we all find ourselves utilizing patterns of behavior in some aspects of our lives, many of us would also like to believe that we have a high degree of autonomy and free will over our actions. Keen listeners will know that free will itself is a debatable issue in the field of philosophy. But even with that aside, the neuroscientific and psychological research on habituation raises questions about whether we shape our habits or whether they shape us. All right, Kevin, uh, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you coming on. Um, what do you want to tell the listeners about yourself? Oh, man, uh, I'm just a, I'm a guy who likes helping people. And um, for most of my life, I was the, the type of person who was not very hyper-conscious. I lived unconsciously. I just kind of went through the motions. I don't know why I was doing what I was doing. And eventually it got to the point where I said, you know what? I should live more hyper-consciously to, to make a more intentional life. I ended up doing that, leaving my job and going full-time into podcasting. And now I get to podcast every day for a living. So I guess that's probably me in a nutshell is probably the best way to explain myself. Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. And, um, I think that just that act of being hyper-conscious um, is part of being philosophical, right? It's I thought you'd like that, Joel. Yeah, I, philosophy I thought you'd like that. looking at what you're doing and saying, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? Or what is the meaning behind what I'm doing and really examining that sort of thing? So yeah. um, I'm really interested to get into it. We're talking about habits. So um, what is a habit? Uh, to me, a habit is something that you do repeatedly. I would normally say a habit is an exercise that you do daily to achieve a result. But I think many of our habits are just based on unconscious going through the flow. So many of the habits we have, we're not actually basing them on a result. I think we're just basing them on least path of resistance. We're basing them on getting significance. We're basing them on feeling good in the moment. So yeah, it's something that you're repeatedly doing. I think that's probably the best way to describe a habit because for many of us, if it's unconscious, we don't necessarily have a, a designation for the result we want. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot in there and we're going to get into a lot of it as, as we go along. Um, but I think that's a good start. So uh, why, why do you think people form habits? Ooh, I don't know that people actually realize they're forming habits. I think oftentimes their identity kind of decides for them. So this is the way I I like to put it. For a long time, I had the, the habit of turning down any opportunity to show myself to a crowd right? So like if I'm in a crowd and somebody says, Hey, any questions, raise your hand. I might have a question every time, but I may never raise my hand a single time. Why? My identity is I'm not the type of person who raises my hand in this room. I'm the type of person who is afraid of embarrassment. So I don't want to get rejected here. So I think for many of us, it comes from a, an identity level. I either a, I am the type of person who does this B, I am not the type of person who does this. And then I think this is a great question. Something that starts off as temporary eventually gets to the point where it seems like it's forever. It seems like it's permanent. And then that habit just kind of becomes who we believe we are in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's a really good way of putting it. Do you think that that's a false dichotomy, this idea of... Um, our self-narrative saying, I am either am or I'm not the type of person that does something? 
I think it's just a safety mechanism at the end of the day, really, because, you know, say, I'm sure that probably came from, you know, just me in that example, not wanting to raise my hand. I'm sure that came from pain at some point in my life, pain or perceived pain. So I probably said, you know what, it's not safe for me to do that. Let me identify as the type of person who doesn't do it. You know, I, I just think that for many of us, we, we live from a place of our past and we think that what we're doing in the present is leading to the future. And it is. But one of the reasons many of us are doing what we're doing in the present is because of our past. So I think that's the dichotomy of what we're doing today is not necessarily because of what we did yesterday. It might be because of what we did 15 years ago. We just don't realize it. And that's just like a very interesting thing that I've noticed, even about myself. When I got into business, I wasn't not succeeding in business because of something I didn't do yesterday. It was because I didn't uncondition stuff from 10, 15, 20 years ago that are still running me. So I think that's, that's the dichotomy really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's right on. Um, I'm working on my PhD in psychology right now. And one of the classes that I'm taking is, um, talking about recent theories in psychological development. And, you know, the, the history of psychological development has usually been, um, these sort of antagonistic theories, um, people either looking at, oh, well, it's either uh, nature in the form of genetics or in the form of uh, stimulus response, or it's nurture in the form of um, maturation stage theories, those sorts of things that that cause human development. Um, And the new um, theories that have sort of started to take over have, have integrated the opposites by saying, well, all of these things play a role in some way, um, but lots of times, you know, your genes play a much smaller role than, than you think they do. Like you are limited by your genes, but your genes are, have incredible plasticity. And so it's really your, how you interact with your environment. Um, and they're finding out, well, even your self-talk, like in being an individual, um, you are a source of your own development. So it's not just what your mom did when you were young or what your teacher told you in high school or whatever. And it goes much beyond just your childhood. All throughout life, we're having experiences with our context and those are affecting our genes and those are affecting our own cognitions and how we think about ourselves. And um, each one plays a little part in who we become. And I think Mm -hmm. that habits play a big part of that, you know? Um, Because like you were just saying, sometimes it's... um, something that we learned a long time ago. Um, sometimes it's a recent event, but sometimes it can even be a perceived future, right? If we're thinking about how mm. something might be in the future, we might act a certain way. And then once you act that way once, um, it becomes easier and easier to act that way over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's like, there also is the side of things like, what do you get rewarded for? If right. you get rewarded for something, you know, it's, so my, my wife is, um, a BA. So she's a behavioral analysis. Uh, she does behavioral analysis. And we were talking all the time about like, we have cats and when we had kittens, she's like, you can't reward that type of behavior because it's going to become what? A habit. Mm. And so that's another interesting thing is what you're reprimanded for and what you're rewarded for. Those are two different conversations around why people build certain habits as well. I'm, again, I'm sure you know way more about that than I do, but that's just a good perspective to throw out there. Yeah, yeah. I think when people think about the stimulus response um, sort of stuff, they're always thinking about, um, you know, there's 
they say positive and negative reinforcement, right? And positive reinforcement mm-hmm. is like Pavlov's dogs that everybody knows about, right? You feed the dogs, um, the dogs learn to salivate when they are expecting food, even before the food comes. Um, you know, negative reinforcement is really um, having, you know, something happened in the absence of it. And punishment is an entirely different concept. So mm. there is a lot tied up in there. And most of the um, empirical psychological research that there is, is from behavioral scientists. So it, uh, it does play a big role. Um, what got you interested in, in habits? Oh, man. I think uh, for many people, I think myself included, it was lack. So I, my first habits I can remember practicing were fitness. And again, was that the first one ever? No, but that was what I remember because I, the results I had in my life was insecurity because of my size. So I'm five foot four, five foot five on a good day. I was always the smallest, quote unquote. I was the shortest. I was made fun of for that. And I remember when I found the gym for the first time, I was like, interesting. I cannot alter my height, but I can alter the amount of weight I can lift. Interesting. So the first habit I remember ever practicing and the first positive association I had with that was fitness. For the first time in my life, I could directly see this input gets this output. Interesting. Okay, what if I do more of this input? Oh, more results. Or So yeah, for me, that was it. And now it's like, I I have a certain result I want out of life, right? I want to be healthy, wealthy, and love. I want to have a great business. I want to impact a bunch of people. Now I realize that, okay, if you, with a high likelihood of understanding, can suggest these are the top 15 habits that would bring me that result, then it's up to you and whether or not you want to do them. So now I track 27 or something, 26 habits a day. If I want to succeed at the level I say, I should be doing these things. If I don't want what I say, I'm obviously not going to do those things. But I think it just creates a roadmap. And I think that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great, um, that's a really great analogy that you had. And it's funny because um, mine is probably the same. Um, Mm. I remember... um, when I was 11, you know, my dad worked out his whole life. So when I was 11, I wanted to work out right away. And it was for a lot of the same reasons as you. Um, you know, all my friends were taller than me. All my friends were bigger than me. So I wanted to get bigger. But I mean, I'm, I'm 5'11 now. So it just goes to show like a lot of it is, is relative. A lot of it's self-talk. Um, you know, some of these things where, that we perceive as being um, weaknesses or, or oddities. You know, it, it all depends on the context you're in and, and the yeah. people that surround you and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do people have control over their habit-forming abilities? Mm. I like to think so, but I also always preface it with, I am somebody who, my behavior usually changes long before my identity. So I know some people have to like change the identity level of who they are before they can start practicing a new behavior. For me, I just kind of start doing something because I know I'll get the result if I do. So I think there's factors there like, is there accountability built in? You know, are you more likely to practice a habit if there's accountability from social or community? Okay, cool. Um, what is the, what is the direct connection between necessity and the formation of the habit? I think that depends, you know, if, if you're somebody who you're something happened in your life and now you're focused on living on a, within a certain amount of money, there's a lot of necessity there for you to focus on a new habit of saving money, 
not eating out, not going through the drive-through, not spending unnecessarily. So I would say, yeah, I think we do have, we do have a high level of opportunity to influence our habits. Maybe not necessarily the formation in the beginning, but when you have the awareness of the results, the habit is create or the result it's creating for you, I would say the ability to influence it is very high. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, cause I, I think it, it again is um, very subjective. I think it will, it will change a lot person to person, but mm-hmm. also situation to situation. Right. I think that, um, some people might naturally have, um, a better ability harnessing the ability to, to create habits, um, more so than other people, but then even within, within our lives, right. Um, it might be easier for me to form the habit of, um, fitness than somebody else, but it might be harder for me to form a different type of habit. Yeah. Again, based on any of those factors, whether it was, you know, um, a pre-existing history or some genetic capability or, um, an interaction with somebody, I think that, you know, it, it might be, you know, if you, if you look at the whole picture, um, there might be quite a bit of variability with people, but I, yeah. what you said is important. I think what makes habits, um, kind of, tricky is that there it's almost like um well a quote that i was like is from the movie inception when he's teaching um uh, a girl how to how to build dreams right and he says you know the funny thing about a dream is you always end up in the middle of it you know think about it how what where did this where did how did you get here where did this come from right habits are kind of the same way it's i don't think like you said there's not a whole lot of intentionality in most cases a lot of people just one day realize, oh, you know, this is something that I do over and over again. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, but they habits tend to sneak up on you a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that they they start off intentionally. I think they start off kind of just by default. It's almost like, what is the most accessible behavior? I mean, the, the odds of that becoming a habit are probably pretty high, if you think about it, right? Um, you know, I would, ar- uh, I wouldn't argue, I would suggest maybe that somebody who, it's a good analogy, somebody who walks to school is probably have a higher likelihood of walking in the future. Like I didn't have to walk to school. I used to get a ride. So what does that say about me? I don't know. Maybe does that suggest that I might not want to live in the city? Cause I'm used to, I'm the type of person who drives everywhere and I don't walk. Somebody who is used to walking, they have that habit. They live in the city. I don't know. I think I just think for, for many people, it's like the lowest barrier to the entry becomes the habit. I think that's really, really probably part of it. Yeah. And I think that that's why this question is sort of hard, you know, thinking about do people have control over their habit forming abilities? Because I think the control part in habits, um, the beginning is very important. It's kind of like rolling a snowball downhill, right? So Mm. if, if the way that habits, if the way you're normally made aware of habits is in the middle of them, then that snowball's already rolling halfway down the hill and you're trying to stop it, right? So this ability yeah. to control to control your habit forming ability is difficult. And there's there's some sci- you know psychological research behind it. And I've used some of the tips and tricks to to help me with some things. And they do work. Um, but the thing is you have to be very consciously aware of it. You know, the very yeah. first time you go to do something, you have to say, okay, this is the reason that I'm doing it. This is what I'm going to do in the future. This is why I'm doing it. You basically have to lay out your rationale to kind of program your brain to say, okay, this is the way I'm going to do it. 
But if you don't do that the first time and you, you form a bad habit or you're, you have a shortcut or something, trying to go back and, and adjust that behavior is, is very difficult. Yeah, I think there, if, if there's a level of pain, I think pain creates a reminder. Maybe not necessarily just pain, but, you know, I, so I'll be very transparent. I had a, an addiction to pornography for, I don't know, from 16 to 26, maybe 25, 26. And the only time I ever realized how bad of a habit it was, and it was a habit worth breaking, was when there was pain associated with relationships I had. Then it was like, oh my goodness, the contrast of, wait, the last time I didn't do this was X long ago, but I never felt any sort of necessity or pain. Now I have a ton of pain. Interesting. Is this habit worth keeping based on the amount of pain I'm dealing with right now? Yes or no? No. Okay. So it, it kind of raised it from unconscious to like hyper-conscious, this needs to change as soon as humanly possible. All my attention goes to putting out this one fire. I don't know if that if that lands with this, but like that happened to me and it makes a lot of sense now looking back. Yeah. And again, um, there's, there's some science behind that, you know, where it's, um, it's cognitive dissonance is, is the jargon word for it, where, um, you know, you, you move through your life and you have, um, certain beliefs, certain behaviors, um, you know, certain things that are just part of your identity. And then inevitably everybody at some point during their life in some situation comes across um, a piece of information that contradicts um, your beliefs or is at odds with your actions or really confronts you with the reality that um, something in your identity is um, lacking in some way. And cognitive dissonance refers to how people make decisions in that situation. Um, and really, there's only one or two options, right? Option number one is to be confronted with and say, oh, um, you know, this is, this is not, you know, this is something that I, I moved through life with, but it's actually a maladaptive behavior. So the right thing to do is to um, take this information that I'm getting and, you know, assess it based, you know, along with the stuff that I already know, and then integrate them and come up with a new solution of how to move forward. Mm. The other um, way of addressing it, and this is the more common way by far, is to look at the new information and rationalize a reason why it's not right and then continue mm. with your old behaviors because that's that's the power of habits. The power of habits is the ability to look at new information um, that is correct and be able to rationalize your way out of it being correct. Mm. And we see this a lot. Um, you know, I, a, a prime example nowadays is political polarization, right? You see people on, on the left and the right and... Um, there's an endless number of stories going both ways on to the left and to the right where um, something's just refuted, just flat out. Um, this is, this is false. This is a lie. And whichever side you're on, they'll find a way to say, well, no, actually, you know, it's, it's a fake news of one kind or another, or it was just a biased reporting or something. Um, so yeah, this idea of um, cognitive dissonance of looking at something, this new information that that's, staring you in the face saying that what you've been doing is wrong. Um, it's a powerful, um, it's a very powerful um, thing to try to go up against. Mm. I think an interesting thing, this is an interesting perspective. How do you justify a positive habit? That's, I think if you can get to that level. So 
Uh, the analogy or the example I use is Mel Robbins has a book called The Five Second Rule. When you're thinking about doing something, you count backwards from five. What I started doing, because five seconds just wasn't long enough for me, and here's why. It wasn't a long enough amount of time for me to reverse engineer the regret I would feel if I didn't do something. So I'll get, I'll be in bed, my alarm clock will go off, I count back from 10. 10, 9, I've never not gotten up by one, but that's because in my mind, I'm literally thinking to myself, you've never missed. You've never missed. You've never missed. Don't miss today. You've never missed. I think there's something about that streak that helps us justify doing it because, I mean, it's kind of the sunk cost bias of, I've done this 99 times. I don't want to start over again. Let me just do it again. Let me just do it again. So I think that's the ultimate goal is if you can get to the point where you justify your positive habits, that's a really good place to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, is willpower an important part of forming good habits and breaking bad ones? Yeah, 100%. I, I think so because it's not easy and you have zero momentum in the beginning and you're kind of unlearning something and learning something new. So I think you kind of have to, and just from my experience, you have to say, hey, this is probably going to suck. This isn't going to be easy. I don't have any momentum yet. You know, I haven't formed any new behaviors yet. I don't have any understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think in the beginning, willpower is a huge, a huge piece of it because it's almost like you against yourself. It's you against yourself. It's you against momentum. It's you against potential pleasure. So yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of the, the most recent science. And I'll get your thoughts on it. Mm. Um, you know, what, a lot of the most recent studies that have come out have said, um, you know, when they examine people with, with bad habits versus people with good habits, they find that there actually isn't much difference in their willpower, um, mm. which willpower being defined as if you put somebody in a situation with a temptation, do they give in? What they found is the most successful people um, who stick with good habits, they don't tend to choose the good habits so much as remove bad habits from their context, remove temptations from their context. So mm. it's the sort of thing where if, um, if I say I'm not going to eat any donuts, right, which is the situation I'm currently in, <laughs> I'm saying I'm not going to eat any donuts, right? If I don't buy any donuts, there's no donuts in my house. And I go, oh, well, I'd have to get in my car and I'd have to drive and I have to get one. And then, you know, I'm less likely to do it than if, you know, I keep donuts in my house because my wife wants to eat them, right? And then they're just sitting there and I go, oh, well, I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to eat them. The science says, no, there's a good chance that it doesn't matter if you're, you have, um, if you have a lot of good habits or a lot of bad habits, there's a good chance that you're going to eat them if they're there. What, what do you think about mm. that? I think that's very interesting. I was going to ask you, is there any, like, I would say, what is that? I don't know. It's a hard question. How does the goal affect the habit? So I did a bodybuilding show in my early 20s. And yeah, well, I'd like to say I just got rid of all the food that I wanted to eat, but wasn't allowed to. I mean, it was, I went through the 4th of July. I went through my birthday. I went through like two weddings and my girlfriend's birthday at the time. And I was offered cake all the time and I was offered everything. And I always said no. So it's almost like, I don't, I would be curious to know how they'd measure for that if, yeah, if and I think we did the same. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's where semantics comes in a little bit because, mm. um, you know, with any empirical study, anything that you can call hard science, a very 
um, important part about it is defining the variables, having a very specific meaning for what you're talking about. And so, yeah, willpower defined in one way um, in these studies perhaps is very narrow, um, but there's a related concept that um, is similar to what you're talking about that they they call grit, right? Grit, this mm-hmm. ability to um, to stick with something um, in the face of adversity. How that's different from willpower, that's outside of my area of expertise, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Maybe they're they're technically the same thing. And this is this is part of why I have a philosophy show, is because just the human instinct to categorize and to look at language and these these different buckets that we create for things and to pick them apart and say, well, do they actually exist? Or are these just, mm. you know, things that we use to to try to make things neat and orderly? Um, is an interesting part of it. But yeah, that's, that's a really cool question is, is the goal, right? Um, because, uh, in, in my case, um, well, education is a good one, right? Um, I am not getting my degree for any particular reason. I have a great job, um, as a, uh, a manager of a, a manufacturing plant that pays me a lot more money than I would get with any job with a PhD in psychology. Um, but when I was in the army, army made the college cheap. So, um, I just went and I just keep going. It's a habit now, right? I just, (laughs) one class ends, I just take another one. But so now I'm at the doctorate level. Every once in a while, right? You run across a class that's really hard or a class that maybe you're not as interested in, or maybe you have a lot of stuff going on in your personal life um, that you could be doing instead of investing the time in the class. But there's always that thing in your mind, well, the PhD is right there. So I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to make some sacrifices of time or of uh, money or of sleep or whatever it is in order to uh, obtain that goal. So yeah, I think that that's a really interesting thought is how goal directed behavior plays into um the concept of willpower and the concept of habits yeah i always wonder just from like a scientific standpoint it's like i don't i don't know what the studies are but it makes me wonder if there's a donut in front of you you don't have any goal for weight loss the likelihood of you eating the donut has to be higher i would assume yeah i would think so i would mean so that just always makes me curious of like what are the actual Ram, uh, not ramifications, but like, what are the actual outlines and, and specificities of these things? It just makes me wonder. Yeah. And, and the example that you brought up of, um, you know, the guy saying to, to count to five, I think that counting to five, or in your case, 10, right? Giving yourself that extra time. That's your way of giving your brain a goal real quick, mm. right? It's your way of yeah. saying, I, I did it with donuts, right? I went to work and there was five dozen donuts for Valentine's Day, right? Day one of my diet. So on day one, you know, it'd be different. If I was in day in the middle of it, you might say, yeah. uh, you know, but day one, it's like, oh, well, I could just push the whole thing back a day. I have a donut now, right? <laughs> but you have to keep, I keep telling myself a, a story, right? And giving myself a, a goal saying, listen, uh, donuts are always going to be there. They're not going anywhere. I can have a donut anytime I want. Just because there's a bunch of them here right now doesn't mean I need to eat one, right? Yeah. That's a goal. You know, you're, you're keeping in mind, okay, well, here's my end, here's my end goal. Um, these are all the reasons why I should or shouldn't do this thing in order to, to get to that goal. So yeah, goal directed behavior. That's, that's really interesting. And I'm not up to, 
up to par on any, on any of the studies regarding it. But now I'm going to look into it some because I'm curious. Right on. So people can form habits unintentionally, um, but can they maintain them without being aware of them? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think they can be unaware of the results. Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Because, <laughs> it's know, a tough one. Yeah, we talked about earlier how, um, you know, usually you, you're aware of a habit in the middle of it. So usually that, right. that forming the habit is mostly unintentional. And that's the way people end up with a lot of bad habits. But, yeah. but this idea of, could you go through your whole life with, um, you know, a habit of some kind and just maintain it, you know, have it going on and, and not be aware of it? To me, it almost seems like at some point in your life, good habit or bad habit, you'd have to, you'd have to become aware of it, but I'm not sure. You'd think. You know, one, of my, one of my favorite questions is, how do you know you're sleeping? When you wake up, the only time you really know you're sleeping, at least for me, like I'm not one who can diagnose, oh, I'm dreaming. I don't really know that. The only time I ever know I'm sleeping is when I wake up. Okay, how about this? I know many people who say, and I probably said it in this, this episode, like, but, um, um specifically, do they know they're saying that or is that just unconscious? And if they never came across a speaker or somebody who had focused on unlearning that behavior, would that ever get brought to their attention? I don't know. So I'd like, I now with that example, I might say that you could live your entire life completely unconscious of a habit. Yeah. Yeah. No, as a podcaster, I run up that against that a lot. Like I'm a yeah. terrible at it. I am always going, um, 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 and when I'm doing the podcast, like right now, I don't realize it. But right. after I'm going through and I'm mixing it and, and later on and stuff, I go, oh man, I can't even listen to myself. I'm just stuttering through everything. <laughs> so yeah, I think that, um, you know, there is a lot of habits that we, there probably is a lot of habits that all of us maintain throughout our lives that we're, that we're unaware of. Yeah. Can a habit be good and bad at the same time? Yes, I think you can really, and again, anytime I say yes or no, that's just my assumption of the feeling. You can really only prioritize or optimize for one thing at a time. So I think of it like, could exercise be a bad habit? Yes, exercise could be a bad habit if I'm also not upkeeping the habit of spending time with my partner. So I think too much of something can be bad if it leads to not enough of something else. So yeah, I would say, especially if it's a time-based habit, 100%. Yeah, this is, um, they have a whole um, sort of psychological model of human development that revolves, it's called selection, um, selection, optimization, and compensation. So it's the view that as you're going through life, you select goals to shoot for, and then you optimize your life for those goals. So you take your resources and by resources, I mean time, effort, energy, money, everything, right? And just try to decide how much of each one you're going to devote to this thing. And then at some point, you will reach, something will happen. You'll either reach the, the sort of pinnacle of that thing, or due to age or to some other condition, um, you won't be able to progress any farther. 
So after the optimization stages, there's compensation, which is saying, okay, well, instead of devoting my resources to getting better at this thing, how much of my resources now am I going to devote to maintaining how good I am mm. at this thing? So the language it uses is um, pretty interesting there. But yeah, I think fitness is a really good one, right? Um, I think that this is something that a lot of people uh, struggle with because how do you find the line, right? You, mm. you know, everybody thinks of fitness as being a good, a good hobby, right? A good habit. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in shape. Okay, well, you get in shape, but then, um, you know, maybe you start just crash dieting, or you start, you know, um, taking some steroids, or you start doing, you start engaging in behaviors, um, unhealthy behaviors, in order to um, pursue this fitness goal. Do you have any? Um, sort of advice or insight into how you draw the line between when a good habit is actually becoming a bad habit? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe the result of the habit is far beyond the result that you started the habit for is a potential, is a potential way to look at it. It's, it's actually taking from your cup and not pouring into your cup any longer. That's, that's another interesting perspective to have. And I would just say, is, is the habit overall destructive versus constructive? E even the fitness example, when I did a bodybuilding show, yeah, it might seem like I was doing something great, but I was definitely not eating enough. I was over-exercising. My hormones were all over the place. You know, I was not dehydrated because I was drinking a lot of water, but I did, I did some damage to my body for sure that took me years and years to recover from. I didn't know it because that was the goal I set. So yeah, that's a hard one. That's all. That's. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm thinking back to earlier in the conversation that we just had. And, uh, I'm wondering if a lot of times when the good habits turn into bad habits is when you lose sight of what your goal might've been. Mm. Cause I think that I know it's happened to me, right? It happens to everybody. We're all human. Um, where we we set a goal, or maybe we don't even have a goal. Maybe we just start with a good habit, like fitness, right? And then it's almost like you have you don't realize it, but you're think you don't think that there can be too much of a good thing, and so yeah. you keep going and going. And if you don't have a goal, you don't have a point at which you can say, oh, "Okay, I've, I'm there. I've arrived. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve." Now I can move from that optimization to the compensation and then start, you know, working on something else, you know, or looking at something a different way, then you just kind of end up in this endless uh, cycle of, of trying to um, master something. And really the idea of mastering something is false. It's elusive, right? We never mm. truly master anything. So you can be in this constant pursuit of fitness. But if you don't have a goal, you don't have an idea of what fitness means to you, um, you might be stuck endlessly chasing and it might lead you into some disruptive behaviors. I wonder, and this is theory, I believe you know the, the term better than I, what if, what's the difference between trying to accomplish something to fill an internal void and trying to accomplish something to create an external result? 
that would that's an interesting thing like based on that question you know if you think of somebody who they have a something internal where if i look a certain way i will get love i'll get significance i'll get certainty whatever it may be versus i'm trying to be the the best fitness model on the planet mm. like i those are just two different intentions that could i guess achieve a similar result based on different positive and negatives potentially yeah no i think that that definitely again and then again that goal-oriented behavior now you've really got me on goals i'm gonna have to do a whole episode on goals but um yeah it, it comes back to um sort of your initial motivation for achieving a goal so even if you could have 10 people with the same goal but they're all gonna have different motivations for it so yeah um, like education again, right? You know, I think the majority of people um, going to school are, are going to school to get a piece of paper that will get them a job. Mm. Um, whereas that's not at all my motivation, right? I, I really don't, I don't care about the piece of paper so much. Like I just like learning stuff. And so I, I keep going just to, to learn more things. Mm. Um, but yeah, you might have a lot of, you know, and some people, the big joke in psychology, right, is that... Um, Everybody takes psychology to try to fix their own problems. So, um, yeah, and there could be any number. You might be trying to fix your own problems. You might be trying to get a job. You might um, just enjoy the pursuit of learning. Um, you might be applying it to uh, your philosophy podcast on the side, whatever the case <laughs> is. Um, yeah, I think that there's a good chance that your initial motivation might have a, a large bearing on whether or not your good habit's going to turn into a bad habit. Yeah, yeah, that's deep. That's deep. That's It's very interesting. What can we tell about habits from looking at modern society? Ooh, man. As much as it pains me, I think we can tell that most people are taking the path of least resistance just based on... Well, I'll say this. I, I would put that as... That's part of it. I also think the quality of your habits are directly connected to your awareness around them. So if you think of, um, if you think of somebody who, let's just say they have a habit of taking the newest health supplement, like this is guaranteed to help you lose 50 pounds in 50 weeks, whatever it is. The problem with a lot of those things is they actually, the only reason they're successful is because they play to the lack of awareness around the individual where if you're somebody who knows a ton about fitness, you would never get bought into that. You, you couldn't because your awareness is high enough to know that's not how it works. So I think it's a mix of those things where the path of least resistance is usually the thing that we're being advertised. And if you don't have awareness, it seems like the, the silver bullet. If you do have awareness, it seems like the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life. And I think that's an interesting dichotomy where I might see something in fitness and say, that's seriously the dumbest thing I've ever seen based on my awareness. Somebody else might see it and say, wow, that's the thing I've been waiting for for my entire life based on their awareness. So yeah, that awareness and the path of least resistance, I think go hand in hand or not necessarily hand in hand, but they have a relationship, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there because um, the path of least resistance, you know, that's, that's an evolutionarily selected for behavior, right? Um, in, in human development, we, we call it adaptation, right? Um, adaptation doesn't necessarily um, espouse a good or a bad behavior. It's just something that you do in order to survive or thrive. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, and sometimes that can take the, the form of bad habits, right? You see, uh, you know, something like 45% of adults are obese, right? So eating, and especially eating certain types of food, uh, becomes a bad habit for a lot of adults. Mm. But if you look at, you know, evolutionarily, it really makes a lot of sense to just scarf up as many calories as you can at, as mm-hmm. often as you can, right? Yeah. So I think the path of least resistance is, is a good one, you know, because the path of least resistance, um, both physically, um, but also in, in your in your brain, right? The way that your brain works, as you form new connections, your axons and your your uh, uh, dendrites, everything's connecting in there. Um, once it connects, um, it's easier to connect that same way. And then those pathways become myelinated, you know, insulated, so the, the signals move faster. Um, and so, you know, it, it's really the path of least resistance in the electrical current of your brain, you know, is going to, mm-hmm. so it, it really is, that idea. Um, and that's what we talked about at the beginning of the show is, you know, it's important to get stuff right early because if you don't get it right early, then it's really hard to break those, those pathways. Yeah. But awareness, that's, a, that's another good one as well. You know, I think that that's a big part of, um, why I live my life the way I do is, is because, um, I like to peek behind the curtain of things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, I remember, I think the, the biggest one that I found it with was music. Um, you know, when I had a band and then, uh, the band broke up and I wanted to keep making music. So I taught myself all the instruments and, 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 you know, made a recording studio. Um, when you start learning how music's recorded in a studio and you start looking at it, all of a sudden you go, Oh, this thing that just seems magical to a lay person, you know, mm. all of a sudden you start to see what actually goes on behind the scenes and it demystifies it a bit. Yeah. Same thing with fitness, like you were saying, you know, um, you know, you look at the supplements and you go, okay, you know, people, you have people like me on the other side, on the marketing side, right? Marketing is essentially your stimulus response. It's Pavlov's dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Your marketing person just trying to say, what can we put on a billboard or on TV or on this to make somebody salivate, right? To make somebody want this thing, to try to encourage them to, um, think that it, it does something that it, might not. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think that, so awareness, being able to just, you know, move beyond a lay person. And it doesn't, I don't think it takes much, you know, if you know 10% of a field or 15% of a field, that's probably enough knowledge, um, to not let those things sway you one way or another, really. Yeah, I would say so. It's, it's like, um, I've, I've worked with podcasters who have 50 episodes and I'm like, you know, you can coach most podcasters, right? Because most podcasters are well under 50 and they haven't got to where you are. Like it's that level of, you might not know everything I know from 1200 episodes, but you know enough to help somebody who uh, percentage wise is closer to your end of the spectrum. So yeah, to your point, there's an awareness that comes with it that it's, I think it's almost like a fundamental awareness. There's like one fundamental awareness that umbrellas into others that it's like, that can't be right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I saw a statistic one time that said um, 90% of podcasts don't make it to 10 episodes, right? And so uh, you're yeah, right. Most, yeah, if you've done most 50, die, yeah. If you've done 50 episodes, you know a lot, you know more than 90% of podcasters at least, right? But yeah, I think yes, that that's, yeah. then you end up with, um, then there's this imposter syndrome, right? Like, well, I don't really know anything about this, right? And this goes all the way back to the greatest philosopher, right? Well, I know... I know nothing about anything, right? <laughs> and I think that 
That is true. The more you, the more you learn about things, the more the easier it is to say, "Well, actually, I really don't know anything about this." Yeah. And I think that is a sign of maturity, but it can also be a roadblock at sometimes if you um, if you're not utilizing um, the knowledge that you have gained or the behaviors that you have put in place. Yeah. So um, it's, it's important to make it a habit to do like to get outside of your your comfort zone and to face that stuff too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's a big part too. So what is what is some good advice about managing habits? This is kind of what you're. I didn't I didn't mention your podcast. So oh, no worries. I want to go ahead and I mean go ahead and uh, plug your show and tell us um, give us some good advice about habits. Yeah. So our show is uh, it's called Next Level University. We do seven episodes a week. So talk about the power of doing something every day, getting a little bit better. And our philosophy really is holistic self-improvement for dream chasers. So I talk about health a lot. We talk about wealth. We talk about life. We talk about love. And if you break it down, it's the habits underneath every single one of those things. So my wife and I have a habit. Every night before we go to bed, we play the gratitude game. What's one thing I'm grateful for about her and vice versa? That one habit that takes all of three minutes has exponentially helped our relationship. It's It's been amazing. So what I would say when it comes to habits is number one, make it unreasonably sustainable. Unreasonably sustainable in the beginning. The path, this is, you want to make a good habit, create the one with the path of least, lowest resistance, not least resistance necessarily, but lowest. That's part one. Number two, try to do it in a, a well-rounded manner. So create a habit under health, create a habit under wealth, create a habit under love. Those three things are really the arenas of life. And a lot of us are getting really good at one arena, but we wonder why the other ones are lagging behind. We're not using the habits from the real world in our relationship or from the real world to wealth. And a lot of things are being left behind because of that. And then I would say the the third biggest thing is try to leverage the power of human accountability. If you have people around you that you can kind of use as accountability for your habits, I'm willing to bet you'll get more done just because of the necessity. Or I have something I call the $100 habit. I have my $100 bill here that I show off. I told my wife, I said, hey, babe, I need you to do me a favor. She said, what? And I said, if I don't go to the gym every day for the next seven days, I need you to rip this $100 bill up in front of me. And she said, Kev, I'm not going to do that. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to fail you, I promise. And eventually she said she would. The reason I did that is because number one, I didn't want to let her down. Number two, I value money. I didn't want to lose $100. And number three, and we kind of talked about this, I didn't want to set the precedent that I failed that. I, I had like that fail safe of, look, it's not even the $100. If I see my, my wife rip it up one time, it never leaves. That's always there. That's there forever that I couldn't accomplish what I said. So I tried to bring that in as well. So that's another thought is create some sort of um, like an agreement with yourself. If I don't accomplish what I want, I'm going to blink, whether it's a positive or potentially negative. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are all, those are all fantastic tips. I appreciate um, it. It's been really great having you on. Is there any final words you want to have or do you think we covered things pretty well? We definitely covered things very well. Last thing I would say is the biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to become in the future is your habits. It's very appropriate based on the fact that we're talking about that. But yeah, you, I don't believe there's any such thing as maintenance. I think as humans, we're either improving 
or we're going backwards, unfortunately. So make sure that the things that you're doing every day are bringing you towards the future that you want, not towards a future that you're uncertain of what you're going to get. That's the last thing I would say. Fantastic. All right. This was uh, an awesome episode. Thanks for being on, Kevin. And until next time.